Welcome to B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. Meet Bonnie. She's from Oklahoma. Where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. A meteorology major and loves to chase. Meet Bobby. He's from Oregon. Going green. Greenage. Saddle up. You got a boss. Oregon AMS vice president and a former TV weather producer. It's B Squared. Let's talk weather. Welcome into B-Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby in Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. Bonnie, coming to you on a Monday because we decided that we should wait until Hurricane Ida has made landfall, done some destruction, and then we can talk about the storm. Yep. So, There's a lot to talk about. Yes, there is. First of all, um, thinking of everybody in the South, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, impacted hard, a Cat 4 at landfall, one of the strongest storms to hit the Louisiana state uh, in any recorded history um, on the day of 16 years ago that Hurricane Katrina came in and we know what happened to New Orleans there. Now, we can wait until we get further down the timeline of history, but for my money, I think Ida's going to be worse than Katrina. I mean, I think so too. The winds were stronger and it, you know, there's there's obviously been a lot of talk about comparing Katrina and Ida and stuff, you know, over the last couple of days. Um, not a whole lot, thankfully, because I think that could really, like, trigger some PTSD for some people right. talking about Katrina too much. But there was a little bit of talks, and it was – they're similar but different. You know, every storm is different, but I know that it was – Katrina was weakening on its way in, and Ida was strengthening on its way into landfall. So that's one difference, and – um, you know, that obviously makes a huge difference as far as impacts and things like that. So one, it was one, crazy. Right. 100%. Now let's go back and talk about landfall because that's how the storm is measured. And that's what we will remember, you know, in meteorology textbooks and post storm studies came ashore yesterday morning, 1155 central daylight time as a cat four maximum sustained winds, 150 miles an hour, minimum central pressure, 930 millibars. It's the second lowest recorded pressure of a hurricane to hit Louisiana in history. So uh, she was not messing around. She packed a punch and she kept on throwing them. Yeah. And one thing to keep in mind is that's basically a cat five, you know, like yep. that, that was a super, super strong storm. I know there was gusts in a couple of places that were 168 or 172. So, you know, that wasn't sustained, but still, you know, one good gust of that and that's, some serious damage. Um, I also saw it reverse the flow of the Mississippi River for a yes, time. It did. It was that strong. So that's crazy. Right. The wind at the surface was pushing the water back up the river. Which. That's, that's nuts. That is nuts. <laughs> and obviously, you know, the Mississippi dumps out into a tidal basin. And so you will get some ebb and flow with the tides. But when mm-hmm. you're pushing all that fresh water back up the river because of the wind, you know, it's some serious issues. Super, super strong storm and amazing on radar. Just looked incredible. The eye was a crisp and clear, sharp line around the eye. And it was, the eye was intact for what, 10 plus hours after landfall. So that's pretty insane too. And, you know, we heard the term a lot. If you watch storm coverage yesterday at brown water and everyone's like, well, you know, it's on shore. Well, yes and no. Obviously that part of the coastline of the state of Louisiana is marshland. So, yes, mm-hmm. there is some land, but it's also heavily watered. So um, it still had plenty of fuel, and that water that was sitting in that marsh 
uh, was same temperature as the Gulf. So you're still having that available energy to feed the storm, and it was a beast. We talked about winds, and we talked about storm surge. Um, we tweeted out yesterday on our Twitter page at Weather Podcast. There was a buoy, 42084, 15 miles west of the Southwest Pass entrance. It went from a wave height roughly uh, just about, um, gosh, I'm trying to do the conversion in my head. But in the span of roughly 12 hours, it went from a storm surge of four feet up to about 19. Wow. Yeah. And that's all wind-driven. Wow. That is all wind-driven water being pushed and pushed and pushed. Well, and there was a lot of um, cameras and, and recordings from different yep. places that would show an hour difference, and it would be no flooding, and then it would be feet of water. And that was in the span of an hour. So, I mean, it didn't take long um, for damage and, and floodwaters to rise. So I, I haven't seen a whole lot today. I've seen a lot of things like trees down and roofs blown off, but I haven't seen a whole lot of flooding pictures yet. So um, I just keep checking Twitter to see what people post, but I just feel like the pictures and video that are going to come out of this are just going to be heartbreaking for the next several days or weeks. Right. And, you know, again, we've seen the, we've seen some video of structural damage. Obviously Mm -hmm. the big story uh, for the biggest population center of New Orleans, which again, New Orleans going into this was, you know, hoping that they were going to be able to, you know, just maybe get the outskirts of it. Best case scenario. But when that storm started to wobble a little bit more east, uh, New Orleans got into the action real quick. A million people at a height without power in New Orleans. I believe I saw the tweet last night. The entire city of New Orleans lost power at some point. Yeah. And that's and that's a, a one big issue that they're having today. And they're still telling people to stay sheltered because there are power lines down everywhere and you have to treat them as active and they're like we just cannot have people out walking around driving around because not only is there other debris but there's possibly active power lines just all over the place weighing in water and all of that so it's just that there's a big mess to clean up and one thing i did see is oklahoma um our electric company is called ogni and we have already deployed i don't know how many trucks but they're headed down there um, now to start helping restore power. So right. I'm sure other states are doing that as well. Yep. Other other areas are sending trucks. Uh, we know that FEMA was on the ground uh, before the storm. They had their people embedded with the local emergency managers on a state and city level, which is pretty awesome and remarkable. Uh, there's an article the New York Times posted just a little bit ago on Twitter, and the gentleman writing it said, you know, the systems that New Orleans has to battle storms held up relatively well, right? You know, the big story with Katrina was 100% the levees failing and water rushing mm-hmm. into the lowest parts of the city. That's what made Katrina such a bad storm. Obviously, Ida was much stronger than Katrina, but yet there's no flooding. So we know that the money that they spent to redo the pump systems, and we knew going into the storm, and you and I had talked about this off off the show, but, you know, they I believe they have, what, like 96 pumps that can pump water out of the city and move the water away. And before the storm, uh, they I think they said like two of the pumps were down, so they had 94 of the 96. Well, you watch any video today, either on the Weather Channel or CNN or any news outlet, and everybody who's in New Orleans, they're dry for the most part. You know, we're not seeing the yeah. flooding. We're seeing, you know, some storm surge in places that aren't, that aren't around. But, you know, that, that's a good news. But again, and this article goes on to say, but, you know, why 
the city of New Orleans might done a did a great job of keeping the water out. They did a terrible job of keeping the power on. And obviously, you know, you have backup generators that you need for pumps and other things. So those systems kicked in. But again, we talk about this all the time. Every storm is different. So that's, well, and that's I what mean, happens. There's only so much humans can do to keep power on in 150 plus mile per hour wind for, you know, whatever it was, eight, nine, ten hours, you know. So, I mean... I get it that they need power. We all need power. You know, everything's run by electricity, hospitals, all of that. There's a lot of need for that. But it's like at the same time, you know, we, we're we humans and that's mother yep. nature. You know what I mean? So it's exactly. like we can only do what we can do. Right. We, we can mitigate issues as much as we humanly possibly can. Right. But mother nature has a way of <laughs> of taking control when she wants to. And that to me is still very impressive. Um, you know, again, we haven't really heard of death tolls yet. I'm sure that there will be a handful, if not more. Um, I did see a tweet last night that one of the hospitals in New Orleans, while waiting for the generators to kick in, they were hand pumping ICU patients to make sure they were still breathing. So, I mean, that must have been scary having to transport, you know, patients out of the ICU and move them into, you know, a hallway or an internal room where they're not going to have to worry about windows breaking or anything like that. So. That's that's still I pretty. I one hospital had its roof blown off too, and so I don't know if it was the whole building or just part of it. I don't know if there's anybody below that area that the roof was blown off of. So uh, I worry about people in hospitals, and you know, people weren't able to evacuate them in time, and there wasn't. Right. There's not really a lot of places to go. A lot of hospital hospitals and neighboring communities and states are full right now. You know, so um, the pandemic is not making this catastrophe easy to get through because right. of that right and so. fast forward to today obviously the major wind threat's gone i mean it's been downgraded to a tropical storm uh, most likely will be downgraded to a tropical depression here in the next few hours sustained winds right now 40 miles an hour and we now turn to the biggest thing which is storm surge still coming into areas of the alabama the florida and the mississippi coast you have a lot of energy that are coming in through the outer bands. We've had several tornado warnings already today in different places in Mississippi and Alabama. See a lot of rain, and they definitely don't need it. We saw what happened uh, to the west of Nashville last week with major amounts of flooding and cars and houses being floated away. Uh, Tupelo's in this, Lexington, Kentucky, Baltimore, Washington, D.C., and then up into uh, New Jersey is where Ida's going to go, and it's just going to be a rain train for the duration until she moves back out over the ocean. Yeah, and I think half of Alabama, or close to half, is in a tornado watch right now. Most of Mississippi is in a tropical storm warning or advisory. So, I mean, there's still a lot more that Ida's going to do. It's just not a high-end Cat 4 anymore, but it's still got some punch to it, so we're not quite done with it, but you know, it's, it's crazy. This was a really crazy storm. And I think we also um, have a couple more areas that we're watching. And so, you know, this is the peak of hurricane season. So this is what we got to deal with. Yep, absolutely. We talked about wind gusts and, you know, we're seeing the reports come through SPC and the National Hurricane Center. The one that I saw that really kind of blew my mind, and I tweeted this out on our Twitter page, um, Grand Isle, Louisiana, where the center of Ida was very close to making landfall. 
Their police chief said they had a gust of 148 miles an hour before the anemometer broke. Yeah, I remember that tweet. I saw it yesterday, too. Yeah, and that's crazy. But I think there was a verified report um, from there that was 172 yes. mile per hour wind gust. So that's that's insane. Right. And that's I mean, that's pushing cat five. Just again, we can't measure hurricanes on wind gusts because occasionally right. you get the conditions where, you know, you get that wind mixing down to the surface and it hits the anemometer at 30 feet. If that's, you know, a, a proper recording location, uh, you can get those gusts and it does happen. So, you know, seeing a, a wind gust that strong is very eye opening, at least to me. Oh, yeah, 100 percent. And especially, you know, on I mean, it's. The, it's an island it's the grand isle you know and right. so it's it's a smaller area there's water all around it and so that kind of wind gust can cause a lot of damage a lot of storm surge um so i feel like that that part of louisiana is going to be very very devastated along with others but i just feel like grand isle is probably just completely devastated right now and i just i don't know i kind of want to see some pictures out of there and see how it held up right you know and that that as you said is an island it's one way in one way out and, you know, once the road is covered in water, you're not going to be going anywhere. And I know they said that yesterday that the sheriff of that parish had sent deputies down to Grand Isle to not, you know, not to harass people, but basically just get a head count of how many people are going to ride out the storm, uh, cell phone numbers for them and where they're going to be, you know, where they're going to hunker down just in case something were to happen. Just makes the search and rescue effort a little bit easier and not having to search for people. So. That to me is, you know, that's pretty intense. We're seeing pictures right now, Gulfport, Mississippi. You know, their entire downtown waterfront area is underwater. The storm surges up off of the ocean and it's, you know, coming up coming up into the city. That's that's pretty insane. Yeah. And that that area was is pretty far east from right. from New Orleans and Grand Isle and stuff and from the eye of the storm. So I mean that just shows you how far spread out and how big Ida was to cause damage that far away from the center, you know? And so that's, that is just crazy. And, you know, talking about rescuing people, I saw a bunch of tweets of saying, you know, if your house is flooding and you're going up into the attic, be sure you're taking an ax or something so that you can get out. Mm -hmm. And that is just like, that is so scary to me to hear. Right. I mean, I understand why. I mean, obviously like you gotta be able to get out of your roof, but that's just, Oh, that is just so scary. So I hope I hope everybody's okay. And I did see one report that one one person has been confirmed um, has passed away. So okay. well, I don't know where. Yeah, but like <clears throat> but we said, fine. it's it's the first of what will probably be many. And obviously, we don't want any deaths with this. And you know, I I will say this: I think they did a really good job with evacuation notices and giving enough lead time. But you know, a radio friend of mine made a point. You know, you ask a lot of people why you didn't leave. And the first answer they're going to tell you is, well, you know, this is my house. I want to stay with it. Or I don't have money to be able. Yeah, I don't have money to be able to evacuate. It's expensive to buy gas and try and find a hotel or someplace to keep my family safe for the duration of the storm. Because it's not like you can go back the next day or 48 hours after. A lot of times it's you're looking at a week or more. Exactly. And that's the big thing. And, you know, if you're going to go to a hotel and it's, you know, you and your wife and two kids and two dogs, you know, that's not going to be a cheap hotel stay. And then you add on the fact that it could be a week or a week and a half, two weeks or longer. I mean, some people might not even have a home to go back to at this point, you know. And so, I mean, it's it's easier said than done to just pick up and leave. And 
I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. Not everybody has family in other states that they can go to quickly. Not everybody has transportation. And I mean, it's, it's sad, but I mean, that's just the truth. Oh, you're totally right. And, you know, unfortunately, when we look at the tropical, tropical season, it's, you know, coming up, we're now a month away, right, from the peak of hurricane season. And, you know, Ida, Ida was a big girl, and she is going to be, you know, so far the biggest storm to impact land. Um, not to get completely off Ida, but we do have tropical storm Kate. She is out mm-hmm. in, the, in the Atlantic. She's not going to affect anything except shipping channels. Uh, not forecasted to be anything stronger than just a tropical storm. So that's some good news. But, Bonnie, we look at the Caribbean. It's still pretty primed. Uh, the Gulf of Mexico, yeah. definitely less primed with all the energy that Ida used. But still, it's there are portions of the Gulf that are still extremely warm, especially along the Texas coast and then down toward the Yucatan Peninsula. So, you know, hurricane season is here. It's active. And now we just wait to see what happens. Well, and it's still summer and temperatures are still warm, so the Gulf will be able to recover a little bit and and heat back up some. And I think there is an area in the Caribbean that's being watched right now that could potentially turn into something. And so it's, I mean, like you said, this is the peak. We're coming into the peak and this is how it goes. And, you know, there's never been a good history with ice storms in August. And I don't I don't remember how many, but several have been retired over the last several years. Right. I, I want to say you said five or six, but still that's that's way too many. And I name storms for some reason have a propensity to be big storms that do a lot of damage. You know, and I guess it's just, the, you know, where they fall in the alphabet and the way the alphabet falls in the season, you know, and it just so happens that I kind of lines up with a peak season. I saw I, I think it was supposed to be sort of funny, but sort of serious. But I saw a tweet earlier that said petitioning. Um, to have August 29th retired because right. it's just had so many devastating storms around that time, you know, and so kind of funny. I mean, you know, not the best time to make a joke, but I get it. It's true. This is a rough time of year. So it looks like there have been 12 named storms with the letter I that have been retired. So let's go back to, let's just go to the last 20 years. Okay. Um, We'll start with Hurricane Ivan, big deal. Hurricane Isidore, big deal. Isabel in 2003, big deal. Irma 2017, we all remember what Irma did. Extremely big deal. Okay. Iris in 2001, again, a big deal. Hurricane Irene did a lot of damage. Hurricane Iota 2020, last year, know what she did. Ingrid in 2013, and then Ike in 2008, and Igor in 2010. So... That's a lot of named I storms. I'd have to go back and do the, the count, but I know I is up there in the most amount of, it's like D. I think it is the most. Yeah, it's like it's like I, D, E, C are the, are the biggest names that have been uh, retired. So, And Ida, I'm sure, is going to be next on the list. And yeah. I'm pretty sure Ida, it replaced Isaac, maybe? I want to say it did, yeah. So... I mean, so there's that. So, I mean, we're going to probably run out of I names before too long. But you said that that was 12 names out of the last 20 years. Uh, so 12 total retirements. And of those, 10 in the last 20 years have been retired. Wow. And we'll so make it, half. Yeah. So we'll make it 11. Um, we'll make it 11 name storms in 20 years when Ida gets done here in 21. So. That's nuts. That is that nuts. That is nuts. 
But again, nothing to shake a stick at. 920 millibars at landfall. Yee. You know, Michael did a, a number on the Florida Panhandle at a similar size. But, man, I will say this. Had Ida come ashore uh, anywhere else, Houston, Biloxi, Tallahassee, uh, a direct hit on New Orleans, this storm would have been a lot worse. You know? I, I, you know, I think that part of what made this so bad, though, is the fact that where it did come ashore, there was still, it was still a lot of wet, wetlands, yes. and that kept it powerful for longer. Agreed. So, and I, I also don't think it was moving as slowly as, like, Dorian was or Harvey. Like, I felt like those were just moving an inch at a time, and so that was also another problem, um, was just the amount of time that they were over one area. So. Right. Ida seemed to be moving a little fast. Not super fast, but a little faster than that. Yeah, I want to say at landfall, she was moving at 14 miles an hour, which is a decent click for a storm that big. But right. it does it does limit some of the damage. And obviously, the biggest thing that we were looking for besides wind was the amount of rain. And we're even still yeah. seeing the amount of, you know, precip falling uh, rain that's what we call training, moving over the same area time and time again. So that's why you do have the flash flood warnings out. That's why you do have the flash flood watches out. It's it's a big deal. It's going to drop a lot of rain, and it's not done yet. I mean, it's still going to drop. You know, could see potentially three or four inches of rain in places uh, around Tennessee and then up toward New Jersey. So, you know. Well, and something that doesn't ever get talked about very much or doesn't get very much attention is, you know, is tornadoes that right. hurricanes put down. And, you know, where are you supposed to go in a tornado, the lowest level of your house? Well, if you're experience a hurricane you could have water in the lowest level of your house Correct. and so you know that's it's i feel like it'd be very hard to shelter from a tornado in the midst of a hurricane like that that would be a very scary difficult thing and you know how, how are you going to even know if there is one you might not be have, right. you don't have cell service you don't have internet you might not have power so you don't even know what's coming so i mean that's really intense and there were several warnings yesterday and several tornado warnings today that i've seen so Hopefully, people are being mindful of that as well. Exactly. And most of these will be rain-wrapped, short-lived tornadoes. Um, we've had one confirmed report so far of damage from a tropical tornado, which I think is an interesting term, by the way. But Yeah, I like know. that. I'm going to add that to my list. <laughs> right. So we wanted to hop on here, talk about Ida. It's the biggest story that we've seen weather-wise in quite some time. It's a shorter edition of B-Squared. We'll be out next week. Next week, we're going to unveil our 15 Favorite things about weather, it's a list that Bonnie and I are separately creating. We will not see each other's lists, so we'll just kind of debate it and talk about it. So if you guys have something that you love about weather, tweet to us at Weather Podcast. Let us know what you love about the weather. Could be the technology, could be the fact that we name storms, could be the fact that, you know, we are doing cool research in certain areas. So what about weather do you love? Let us know at Weather Podcast on Twitter, and Bonnie and I will have our 15 favorite things next week. Looking forward to it. Yep, it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, Bonnie, a great edition of B-Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby in Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. And we will talk to you guys in a couple days. Bye.